everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Amen. You ready to let your heart say, wow? Wow. wow. Woo! We are, amen, I like that. This is a good start. Hey, good morning, church. Good morning, church. Uh, it's a joy to be together. We're gathered safely here in the house, and it's a joy to welcome you uh, who are gathered safely at home. Uh, we know this thing is real. This fight is real. We are, we are uh, in this struggle together. But especially today as we're going to communion a little bit later, I just want to say very clearly to you at home, you're not alone This is one church, one body, one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're united in one spirit by one word. We love you. We see you. We're with you. And uh, and together we're we're one. We're one. And we're going to talk about wonder. Wonder. Um, As we move into this... uh, this uh, second week of Advent, I also want to give you a little bit of a Pastor Tim church update, uh, just as far as uh, where the church sits. And as we've been giving to the work of the Lord all through this year, 2020, what I can tell you is that we feel like we're in a position of strength. If we continue to give as we've committed, if we, we're going to walk through the end of 2020, having met our, everything that we needed to do to do the, the work that Jesus Christ put before us. The ministry is resourced, and, and we're, we, that's something just to celebrate. And just to say thank God for that. As we look at 2021, um, I do want to want you to know. I want you to pray with me. We're looking at this uh, kind of commitment card stewardship campaign, and and pledges or commitments to our giving in 2021 right now are 10 percent lower than they would be last year at this time coming into 2020. So we're, we're looking for, and a lot of that is just we haven't heard from everybody. So what we're looking for is we're just asking, would you pray about committing to the work of the Lord here in 2021? And if you've been just waiting to speak to us, uh, please take time to go online. I know it's different from bringing a commitment card in and all that, but just take some time to go online or give us a call. Let us know of your intent to give to the ministry of the, of the Lord here at First Pres next year. And uh, we know that God's faithful, God's good, and we're gonna keep going doing what Christ has called us to do. Now, as we go to Scripture each time in this series, what we're doing is a little bit different. Today we're going to look at Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, so I encourage you to open your Bibles here and and at home. And what we're doing is we're hearing the Bible read by others uh, in their own homes as a way of connecting together as one church. So open your Scriptures to Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and as we do that, let's open our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit. Uh, We don't need to read words. We need to hear your voice. We need to know, God, that you are there, that you see us, and that you are speaking to us today. And you are. So open our hearts to know it. In Jesus' name, the church said, Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 1. We are Bob and Marilyn Ale, and we're reading from Mark 1, 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. 
The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Wonder. God is on the way. Friends, it's December 6th. December 6th. 2020. Are you sick of Christmas songs yet? Be honest. Be honest. It doesn't take long. I, sometimes I just feel like, you know, there's like 10 songs, right? And so just like one session in my car with the radio playing those same 10 songs, like, I got it. I've heard it, you know? But I, I hope you're not over it yet. Uh, there's, uh, there's, there's, there's Christmas going on. Uh, the lights are going up. The decorations are busted out. In fact, as a church, I know you've seen outside. I hope you drive down here at nighttime. You at home, uh, take some time to drive down here at nighttime to your church because what we've done this year is we've lit up the exterior of the church more than we've done in years and years and years. Why have we done that? We've done that because we wanted to say to our city, we're here, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, and we love you, and we bless you, city of Colorado Springs. So we put these, all these decorations up and all these lights up, and, uh, and we're celebrating Christmas. It's a big deal. It's Christmas. But you know, sometimes along with those, those boxes coming up out of the basement, decorations, and there's a little bit of cynicism that comes up with them. You know, along with the... Along with the, the twinkle lights, there's just a little air of cynicism that accompanies the lights and the, and the familiar Christmas songs. And that's what this series is, is about. See, 2020 has given us plenty of reasons to be darkened and dried out with cynicism. We've got plenty of reason before us to kind of think there's nothing in the future for us to be hopeful about. But listen, cynicism makes life small. And I don't know about you, but I don't need my life to be any more small and confined than it is. Amen? I mean, it's small and confined enough for me. What I need, what I need is, is that, that word from the Lord, that inspiration from God, that light from on high, that life can be bigger and fuller than the limitations that I have in front of me. And I think that begins with wonder. The Gospel of Mark, many say is the first one written. It starts like this, verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Hey, can we read that together? You guys are so alive this morning. It's, 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 it's waking me up and I'm excited. I just want to read this together with you, church in the house, and you at home. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. The beginning. If that seems like a big word to say, you're right. I can't imagine the courage that it took for Mark to put his pen on the paper and write the 
beginning. Why? Because that's a huge thing to say. In Greek, it's this word arche. It's where we get archetype or or archaeology. It's that thing that's the first form. It's like the primary form. It's the first principle. It's the beginning of all things. It's the the start. It's at the very foundation. In fact, in Genesis 1.1, it starts with that same phrase, right? Genesis 1.1, in the beginning. So for, for, for the gospel to say that, in the beginning, It's a huge thing to say. He's saying something new is starting. There's a new beginning. There's a new creation. There's a fresh start, a new foundation, and it's big. It's as big as the beginning itself. It's as big as creation. There's a new thing starting. It's cosmic and new. And what is it? What is it? It's the beginning, the beginning of the good news, it says. This is the beginning of the good news. The good news. The good news, the gospel. Gospel means good news. That's what that word comes from. And a lot of times, uh, that, that word, good news, that was, that was used in Mark's time, in the Bible time, to talk about a proclamation that was being made. I mean, often it was Caesar who proclaimed good news. Caesar would put out a proclamation, say, hey, this is from Caesar, good news. The war with Gaul is over. Oh, good news. Taxes have been suspended. Hey, good news. Hey, good news from Caesar. Taxes have been doubled. You see? See, here's the thing about good news from Caesar. It only had to be good news to him for him to say, here's the good news. But Mark says, here's the beginning of good news. And it's a little different. It's It's not a bulletin from the front. It's not like some little you know, pronouncement, some little line, some dispatch from the field. It's, a, it's different. It, it, it's a story. It's a life. It's a whole event. It's, you know what? It's a person. It's Jesus. And this person, Mark reveals from the very start, this person, this Jesus, is Messiah the Son of God. See, Mark is saying, I want you to have the news, I want you to have the, 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 the dispatch, I want you to have this, this new information, I want you to know about it, but I'm not just gonna, it's not gonna be over when I get to verse two. This isn't just a one-liner. I want you to know this story, I want you to know what's happening, I want you to know the news, and the news is a whole life. It's a whole biography. It's a whole story. It's Jesus. It's Jesus cosmic, and new. Now you think cosmic and new? Those two don't come along all that often. I mean, cosmic and new? Cynicism sets in a little bit, right? I don't know. I don't know. What is cynicism? Cynicism is that that feeling that you know from the beginning how it's all going to end. I know how it's going to end from the very beginning. A kid has easy wonder, you know. For a kid, everything is new. Everything is fresh. Everything is huge. I asked uh, Sally Kidman, our, our designer, to, to draw something up for us for this series. I said, Sally, it's got to be the view from a kid's point of view. 
You know, that wonder that you have as a kid. And this is what she did for us. And, and it's just, it's just incredible. Don't you love that? I mean, it's just incredible uh, original piece of, of watercolor artwork that she put together for us. I said, look, you gotta have that kids where the, everything's huge, everything's big, you know? To a kid, every Christmas tree is huge. There are no small Christmas trees. They're big, you know? They're big and giant. And everything's new. And everything's fresh. To a kid, every Christmas tree is huge. To an adult, to a parent, every Christmas tree is expensive and messy, right? And, like, and I, I see it go up, and I'm already thinking about what I'm gonna, it's going to take to take it down. But with a kid, you see, they don't feel that way. After you've run a few laps, it doesn't take that long to have a little bit of cynicism set in, a little bit of a jaded you know, attitude, a little bit of, uh, I know how this is all going to end, even before it begins, and it's easy to grow cynical. It's easy. Do you need tips? Do you need tips on how to do it? You probably already have got this. But it's so easy. All you got to do is take the past and apply it to the future. In fact, here's, if you want to even do better at this, you take the worst of the past, right? The very worst. And you apply it to the future. And you say to yourself, see, I already know how that's going to wind up. I already know how that's going to end. I already know how that's going to go. I mean, I know that that's not going to work. I know that that's not going to go that direction. I know that there's no way that this will work out well. You know, I've seen the the worst of the past, and I just apply that to the the future, and that's what's going to happen. And there's a little bit of buzz to it, right? Like, I'm in control now, because I know. You know, I've I've got a little bit of control in my little area, because I know how things are really going to work out. There's a little buzz in thinking that. It, it, it pretends to be wisdom, you see, but it isn't wisdom. It's this kind of uh, uh, know-it-allness. That's our new word for this series. Know-it-allness, okay? Know-it-allness. That I already know how this is going to work out. I already know the real reason why that's happening. I already know why, you know, she said that or that said that. I know how the story ends before the story begins. It's kind of like when a football team takes the field in the NFL with no quarterback, right? Just as an example, you, 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 you know, it doesn't take a lot to figure out how the story ends, right? I know it allness, and I already know what's coming. But it's not wisdom. It's not wisdom. It's cynicism, and it makes life small. You know what the Bible actually calls it? The Bible actually calls it being wise in your own eyes. Wise in your own eyes. It's not wisdom, it's cynicism, and it shrinks your life. Pastor Kerry Newhoff wrote a book uh, a couple years ago now about when he burned out. He burned out as a pastor. He had that burnout. And he, he, he named his book, Didn't See It Coming. And he said, you know, the thing is, looking back, I could see there were, all these, uh, there were all these indicator lights going off on my dashboard, and I just didn't see it coming. I didn't pay attention to those things until I crashed. And he said, one of those things, one of those indicator lights on my dashboard, looking back, I see it now, was a rising cynicism in my heart. I was jaded. I was cynical. I was skeptical. I was sarcastic. I was shutting everything down before it even started. You know, and I can look back and I can see it. But he, he said, I, I look back and that, I don't even want to be that guy, right? Because nobody likes to be around the cynic. He said in his book, 
Senex never changed the world. They just tell you why the world can't change. They just tell you why the world can't change. Ask them. They know all about it. You know this? Are you with that? This know-it-allness, you know? Those people that you're around, they already know. They already know the real deal. The cynicism sets up these barriers in every direction. Like, I, oh, I know that's not going to work out, and I know why she really said that, and I know what's over here, and that's how that's going to end poorly, and I, I just know that nothing's going to work out, and you set up this, this glass wall in every direction until you're in this tight little confining box, and you think you're in control. You're doing it because you think it's adding control to your life. It's not. That's false. It's just making your life small and tight and confined with, with the limited possibilities in every direction, limited potential, false boundaries, what if God crashed into your little glass box of cynicism? Cosmic and new. Well, that would, that would be wonder. Verse two, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, <laughs> see, you don't know what's coming. Are you with me? Don't build that little box. As, and here's what Mark says. Verse 2, as is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Okay, Mark, who was probably getting his direction for this gospel from Peter, he points us back to the prophets. Why? Because what he's saying is, as cosmic and new as this is, this is actually foretold. This is actually a new turn in a long story. And God has laid some groundwork for this that maybe you didn't see until you got to this moment, but you look back and you see that God has made this come about. Now this passage is, he's actually quoting both Malachi 3 and Isaiah 40 for those of you who are you know, paying attention uh, keeping score at home, as they say. But they, no mistake was made in mentioning Isaiah in the way that Mark does. Let me explain. The rabbis in ancient times, they would teach in what were called scripture clusters. They would teach groups of scriptures together. And these verses were taught together in scripture cluster. So it's perfectly appropriate to quote the cluster and then cite the Isaiah part that you're going to talk about, which Mark does now. Now the point, the point of that is this. Here's the point. Here's the point. The new beginning, cosmic and new, well, it was foretold. It was foretold. As it is written, so it was. I love how verse 4 rolls out in our NIV translation. Because you've got this, as it was written, okay? Here's the beginning of the good news. Okay, it's written in Isaiah. Here's this this passage. And then you get to verse 4. As it was written in the prophets, a messenger will come. Verse 4, read those first two words with me. And so... As it was written, and so, uh, and so, uh, oh, go ahead, sorry, to, the, to uh, verse, verse 4. And so, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. See? Now, do you get this? It's, it's as it was written, and so, it happened. As it was promised that this would happen, 
And so, John the Baptist appeared. What? The underlying assumption is that God's promises get fulfilled. That's where Mark sits. As it was written, and so, John the Baptist appeared. It happened. One plus one equals two. <laughs> two. You're still with me. John the Baptist then, he was a prophet, he was a teacher, he's a preacher, but he's also, he's also someone who's, you know, when you look at John the Baptist, he's preparing for something to happen, isn't he? He's preparing, he's a forerunner. He's constantly aware that someone is coming behind him. And in fact, I think there is no deeper or firmer conviction in this man's life than that. Like he may doubt a thousand things, but if there's one thing that he knows for certain, it's that someone's, someone's coming. Someone's on the way, coming up behind me. John is an unexpected figure, you know. Prophets in that day were more of a distant memory than a constant presence. And Malachi was really the last one over 400 years ago. And, and now here's John. Pops up wrapped in a camel's hair cloak and a leather belt looking like Elijah. He's out there eating locusts and honey. If you're offered that this Christmas, just turn aside, go for something else. I mean, maybe locust glazed in honey? I don't know, I don't know. But what he's doing is he's teaching with authority, and that's the big difference. There might be folks out there doing all kinds of show, but he's teaching with authority. And suddenly the people, they see hope, they see promise, they see something new in John the Baptist, and they start going down to see him. Here's what I want you to know. Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, is at least, wherever John was doing this ministry along the River Jordan, the city of Jerusalem is at least 20 miles and 4,000 feet of elevation away. And what do the people do? They start going. And they don't just go once. They go back and forth. Look at this. Verse 5. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. And, and the verb tells us that it was happening continuously, like over and over again. Went out to him, confessing their sins. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Crowds of cynical Jerusalemites. How many of you know, you know, when you live in urban centers, you can get a little jaded and cynical, right? City people. City people. These are city people. They say, I've seen it all. I mean, I've heard people say the craziest stuff. And I've seen things play out. And I know how things go. And I know what the, how the story ends before it begins. I mean, I didn't just fall off the Christmas tree truck, okay? You know? And, and I've, I've been living here in Jerusalem, and I've seen it all. I've seen it all. Those are the people. Those are the people who start to say to one another, have you heard about John? There's a guy down by the River Jordan. And he's saying that something new is happening. No, wait, what? New and cosmic? No, no, I've seen it all. No, he says there's something new. He says God is, that God is up to something, that God is, is on the move. He says, that, he says that we could go down there, and he says that we could find a new, a new direction. 
Things don't have to be the way that they've been. Things don't have to wind up the way that I know they're going to. He says there's a new kind of a way. And here's the thing. I know we've heard it all. I know we've heard it all before. But here's the thing. I kind of believe him. And I kind of need this. Well, brother, you go down, you know. I'll go with you. Let's go see. And down they go, all the way down to the River Jordan. And there's the man standing in the river. And into the water they walk. And they kneel down. And John baptizes them. For what? He baptized them for forgiveness of sins. That means everything that, that led up to this point, all the things that you were carrying, you don't have to hold on to that. You can let that go. You can be forgiven of that. Your past can be gone. And now you can step where? You can step forward. And you can step forward in a new way. And you, you're baptized for the forgiveness of sins and for repentance. Repentance means a new way where you say, I'm not going to walk the direction that got me here anymore. I'm going to turn. I'm not going to walk the world's way. I'm not going to walk my way. I'm going to walk God's way. That's my resolve, my resolution. Lord, help me because I believe that there's a new way of life that's possible for me. And it might just be bigger than anything I've imagined. Friends, get out of the little box. God's got plans for your future. Your past is not your future. Your future is in the hands of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of sins, a new direction. It's possible for you. Last week we saw this, uh, this vision of, of Isaiah, right? Isaiah had a vision. Isaiah 64, verse 1. Saying, oh, oh, the, oh that God would, would rend the heavens, would tear open the barrier. Oh, that God, oh, that God would, would blow the top off of all this mess and come down. What if God came down? And Isaiah said, oh, the mountains would tremble. Because I know you've done it before, God. I know that you came down before. And when you came down, the earth shook. And Mount Sinai was a ring of fire and smoke. And everything was quaking and shaking and trembling. And oh God, that you would blow the top off of this little mess. That you would take the top off of it and come down into it. Pike's Peak would shake and tremble to see you walking our way. Oh, that the Lord would rip open the heavens, right? And come down. Oh God. Move in, crash in, crash in to my little closed box. And Isaiah said, you know, he did it before. And I know he can do it. I know he can break in. I know he can bring something new. But will he? Oh, Lord, come. And Isaiah said, if God comes, it's gonna be like it was. Everything's gonna be on fire. You know? I mean, everything's shaking. Everything's quaking. John the Baptist, you know what he says? He steps forward and says, you know, guys, all that Isaiah stuff, it's about to happen. All that Isaiah stuff, it's on the way. But the vision is just a little bit different. Look at verse 7. 
And this was his message. After me comes the one. More powerful than I. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What's he saying? He's saying, look, all that Isaiah stuff, it's happening. But look what's coming. One. He. A man. A person who's on the way. He's on the way. He's coming right behind me. You're going to see him. He is on his way. And he's just a man with sandals on his feet. You see that? All the glory of God in the face of Jesus. That's new and cosmic and wonderful. What if God came down? What if God broke through my barriers? What if Jesus crashed my little box of cynicism? What if that happened? Well, and I would have to see Christmas in a different perspective. I would have to see that Christmas is bigger than I ever thought. I would have to recognize and admit that Christmas is bigger than me. Because this Christmas, this isn't something that I do every year by checking off my sticky notes, okay? That's not Christmas. Christmas is God on the way, something new, something cosmic. And the limitations I've set up on every potential future, on every possibility, they're false. They're not true. If God has come down in Jesus Christ, then anything is possible. And God is breaking in. And I'd have to let my heart open up to wonder. Habakkuk, put it this way, verse 1, 5. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. God is doing a work right now, friends. Right now, Christmas 2020. Don't get trapped in that tiny box of cynicism, but let the Lord crash in and open your heart up to wonder, well, what if God came down? What if Christmas were bigger? What if coming to the table of the Lord were more than, than bread and, and cup? What if they were a place where we met the presence of the Lord in our lives and were nurtured by his presence, by his reality, by his spirit? I invite you now to turn to the table of the Lord. And I hope that you've picked up a a little cup, and, um, and they kind of crinkle along, so we want to do all of our crinkling together, our Christmas crinkle. And so let's go ahead and do that and prepare these, uh, these elements together as we come to the table of the Lord. This table is not my table. It's not the table of this church. It's the table of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who bought your place at this table, your place at this table, by giving his own body and blood an atoning sacrifice for sin once and for all, that forgiveness and new life would be possible in him. And he invites you, by his Spirit, to sit at table with him this morning. 
scriptures tell us as we approach the table that, that Christ has given us, that we're to pause, to recognize we don't deserve this invitation. And to let the Spirit of God, like John the Baptist in the River Jordan, let the Spirit of God look over our lives and convict us of those things that we need to lay down, we need to, for, we need to confess, and we need to know forgiveness. So as we approach this table, I want us to give just a moment of silence. Let the Lord do that work in your spirit. Christ have mercy. Amen. Friends, the good news of the gospel is this. Christ has died for all of our sins. You are forgiven and new life is found in him. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprezcos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.